Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. Welcome back to With You Every Step. This week, I have Devin Sturdy joining me to talk all about the story of who is Happy Guy. Now, who is Happy Guy? You'll just have to listen and find out what the story is about. I do want to let you know, though, that this episode was recorded before the pandemic hit the world. There is no mention of anything to do with the coronavirus. I hope everyone is well and staying safe and staying inside, looking after those that you love most, looking after yourself. It's a really hard time in the world right now. And if I can give a little bit of happiness to anyone, I hope it helps give a little bit of light in this dark time. I'm going to be putting the photo of Happy Guy on With You Every Step Instagram. So please check it out. You can see the photo. And you know what? I think I'm going to do Who Is Happy Guy, my own photo as well. So if you want to upload yours, might make someone smile. And I think that's what we all need right now. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I definitely puts a smile on my face every time I hear this story. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Welcome, Dev. Thank you, Shell. <laughs> it's so nice to have you here. It's a pleasure. Now, Devin did something really cool years ago, and I just thought about it recently. I don't know what it was that jogged my memory about this happy guy. Maybe I just saw someone on the train that looked really happy. Maybe. Yeah. And it made me think of you. And I was like, I need to get you on to tell this story. It's a good story. <laughs> it is a good story. I'm looking <laughs> it's forward a crazy to story. <laughs> hearing the nitty gritty about how happy guy happened. So you may not know what we're talking about yet, but it will make sense once we start going into the story. If you're a local, you may know Deb's face oh. from years ago. Oof, maybe. What year was it? 2008. It was 12 years ago. So maybe not. <laughs> and the funny thing, we'll talk about it later, but now it wouldn't even happen with facial recognition technology yeah so it was just the the right time yeah I thought about that too and I was I was telling somebody about this story and I went you know what yeah it was before we had technology like it is now mm. but it doesn't feel like it was that long ago no and technology has changed so much in such a short amount of time that's right so there's a little a little teaser for you because we don't know what we're talking about or you don't know anyway I do <laughs> Michelle does she was there from the start <laughs> Okay, tell me, how did this start? What is this? Right, so my dad, who you know, is from Canada mm -hmm. and me and my brother Nate are dual citizens of Canada. We have Canadian passports and we spent a long time living in Canada. Well, me in the mid-90s to sort of early 2000s and Nate around the same time. And we lived in a town called Banff, which, have you been to Banff? I haven't been to Canada what? I know. I've been to so many places. I've never been to Canada. I've been very close, but I haven't crossed the border. Well, I don't like the cold. And that's the thing that turns me off about Canada. Ah, but that's a myth. Yes. Just take your little side note. Summers in Canada are really nice. Are they? Especially in the, the Rocky Mountains where I'm from. Yeah. Uh, I'm from a town called Banff, which now is extremely touristy with tour buses, Japanese tourists, American tourists, etc. And backpackers, Aussie backpackers and Kiwis and all that. But when I lived there in the mid-90s, it, although it was still touristy, it wasn't very back backpackery. But winter is great for snowboarding 
However, summer is even better. The sun comes up at five in the morning, sets at like 10 p.m. Oh, wow. Sort of mid-20s or early 20s. Celsius? You, yeah, yeah. You just go trekking in the, in the hills, in the mountains. It's beautiful. Okay. Go in summer is my point. Go in summer. I might have to. I've got a lot of friends in Canada and they yep. always say when I go to the US, why aren't you coming up here? And I'm like, I don't have time. Come to Canada. Sorry. <laughs> That's their tourist slogan. Anyway, so we, I was living there and Nate was living there and it was sometime in the, I'm going to say around the millennium, maybe 2001 or 2002. Mm -hmm. And Nate had gone through a particularly bad stretch. He was just a young sort of 18, 19-year-old kid. He had he lost his job because him and his friends, I think, oh, no, that's when he got kicked out of staff accommodation. They decided to light a fire on their balcony <laughs> a, a, and cook marshmallows or something. Anyway, that's by the by. No, he lost his job because he just kept sleeping in, I think. No, he got demoted. Yeah, <laughs> so to just a job as a housekeeper when before he had a cool job watering plants. He ended up in hospital a couple of times. Once he got hit by a squeegee because his friend was in a fight at a service station oh. and the other guy, he, Nate, broke up the fight and he got hit in the, in the head with a squeegee and had to go to hospital <laughs> for stitches and his girlfriend dumped him. Aww. So he was having a particularly rough time. Okay. And he was cleaning hotel rooms for about $7 an hour, oh maybe $8. Okay. Pretty crappy job. Yeah. He was cleaning a room one day and he found a photograph in the rubbish bin of just an extreme close-up of a, basically a man's face with this big smile. Okay. And instead of throwing it in the bin, he just kind of saw the photo and laughed and thought it was funny. So he showed all his friends and he put it up on his fridge and called so him he, happy guy. So he took it though. He kept the photo. Yeah, he kept it. He didn't want This wanna... was before we had phones that you could take a photo of something and then share it. Yes. And to the point, it... Not just take a photo of the photo, it was a photo itself. Yeah. So perhaps the photo would not have existed if it were now. Correct. Uh, he kept the photo and he just reminded himself that, you know, just smile, life's not that bad. Oh, is, um, that, is that what drew him to it? Yep, definitely. He, yeah. he, it, it's pretty funny. Uh, I don't know if we can post it somewhere. It's, yeah, it's I'll a put good it on photo. the Instagram page. Because a lot of people, when they see the photo, they ask why it was thrown out in the first place. Yeah. But if you had an extreme close-up of your face with a giant sort of, <laughs> not maniacal smile, but a, a very large smile, it was a prank photo, basically. Oh, was it? I would throw it out as okay. well. I think someone tapped the guy on the shoulder. Oh, how do I know that though? Yes. Ooh. Mystery and drama. <laughs> so Nate came back to Australia, I don't know, maybe six months or a year later, and we just kept the photo up on the fridge, just as, again, a reminder, and it's pretty funny. And we, Nate makes up characters about everyone, so he's called him Happy Guy. And um, I think Dad started a bit of a silly who is Happy Guy thing amongst the family. Like he, Dad was a photographer before he retired and was very good at photoshopping and he made a few silly things. And I was working at the time, this is like many years later, by the way, this is probably, okay, I'll, I'll just take a step back because I've, I've made it sound complicated, the timeline. Nate found the photo around 2002, came home, let's say 2003, perhaps six, let's say six years later, seven years, it was somewhere around there. Oh, well, that I've, long. I'm really confused with the dates because it was literally almost 20 years ago that he found this photo. So it all gets a bit, it's not too important. It was a long time, more than five years. I think we said seven years when we were doing media stuff. Another clue. I was working at a backpackers in around 2007 
and I was on the night shift. Here in Melbourne? Here in Melbourne. Yeah. And I thought, let's just start a Facebook group because Facebook was new. I had yeah, only had it. just started. Yeah, and I was like, this thing's amazing. It's not evil. It's awesome. <laughs> and I made a group as a joke saying, who is Happy Guy? Let's find him. And overnight, a couple of hundred people joined. And I thought, hang on, I thought this would just be a bit of a silly in-joke amongst my friends. And I think you probably joined quite yeah. early on. Yeah. And the numbers steadily grew, but... It started off as just friends or friends of friends, but then all of a sudden it was strangers from other countries and people started photoshopping his face on numerous famous <laughs> characters and actors and things like uh, there was Spider-Man, Yoda, the Terminator. People were doing animations, Che Guevara. There were so many, like hundreds and hundreds and the numbers grew and all of a sudden it started becoming like a legit thing. Radio stations started joining in the search, a couple especially in Canada. So they were joining in the search to find who, to find who Happy Guy is. Who is Happy Guy? We were like, it's not our photo. Let's find him and we'll give him the photo back. Ha, ha, ha. Particularly Canadian stations and in Australia as well because we found the photo in Canada. And so it just started growing. And then before we knew it, like a few thousand people were in the group. It was really, really, really taking off. Somebody heard the radio station in Calgary, which is next to Banff, and she was the daughter of Happy Guy's daughter. No, what the hell? No, <laughs> she was the friend of Happy Guy's daughter. Okay. And another person was like, I think that used to be my teacher and this and that. But the friend of his daughter was like, I know who that is. So this is from a radio? How did they know who it was from the radio? They looked it up on the the oh, Facebook page. Okay. So they heard the radio story. They up. went and had a look at who's this guy. Yeah. So everyone's curiosity was mm. really peaking. But there were people, I should take a step back. There were people in African countries and South America and Israel all over the world. Looking joined, for happy guys. Yeah, yeah. And we were asking people, not only people were photoshopping, but we were saying, well, print out the photo and ask people when you're traveling. And I believe Michelle... Also did that, didn't you? Did I? Did I you? Could've. Or you were at least asking. I remember you left a post saying, we looked for him in Jamaica and this yes, place and that I place think, and I we couldn't so. find him. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about yeah. that. And strangers were, were seriously printing out his photo and getting his photo, their photo with him, the photo of him in front of famous places like Buckingham Palace and I can't even remember, like all over the world, like African tribal ceremonial sort of. Demonstra touristic demonstrations, they're like sitting there with happy guy. It was crazy. Like, how did you find him? So that person rang up and said, we think we know who it is. They called him, his daughter's friend. Mm -hmm. They called him and they went, dude, you got to look at this. This is nuts. A photo from, I think, I think it was seven, six or seven years earlier that he'd forgotten about completely. They said, look at this webpage. This radio has been talking about it. And they... Also emailed me, that's right. So there was a voicemail message saying, you've got to look at this Facebook page. And I emailed him at the same time saying, hi, Paul Daggett, because his name was Paul Daggett. My name's Devin and this has happened. <laughs> we kind of and that, put a photo of you online and it's gone viral. Yeah. And, and that was before the term viral was yeah, even yeah, a it, thing. <laughs> I mean, it didn't even really go viral. Like it went viral, but I think it was... We were almost too efficient in finding him because it took less than six months, mm -hmm. fewer than six months. So it was almost too quick. I think if we if it, he hadn't been found for another month or two, it really would have exploded. I digress. So he was away with his family and he came back and 
heard his voicemail and checked his email and sat down and looked and found hundreds of photos and people with theories about him and people from all over the world. And it was all good. There weren't any trolls, maybe 99.9%. And I, actually, I don't even remember there being any trolls. No. And, I, and, and again, that was before trolls was a thing. Like people weren't yeah. mean. Now people are mean and they want to like yeah. smash everything down. It was before Twitter. The internet was so wonderful in 2008 and <laughs> seven. Oh. <laughs> And yeah, so he emailed me back and saying, uh, yeah, uh, I'm Paul Daggett. That's me. And I am the happy guy. He was. He loved it. He did. He yeah. loved it. He said he freaked out for about two seconds. Yeah. As he would. Of course. Seeing, seeing your face your, everywhere. On Mr. T's body, you know, like stuff like that. And then you scroll through all these awesome photos. And so the local news caught wind of it. Television news. Okay. And that's over where. Over there or here? Over there. Okay. Actually. And over here, once again. So we were on ABC radio a couple of times. We weren't on telly here, but we were on a few, I think SBS radio as well, a few radio programs. Oh, I thought you were on TV here. Not here, no. Oh. So what happened was he was on like the kind of the version of the project, I guess you'd call it, in Calgary. Okay. And Nathan, which the project is a, a show that we have yes. here in Australia, which is a news program, but their title is delivered differently. So it's yeah. got a bit of comedy to it, makes it entertaining to watch, yeah. but you're still hearing about news stories. Yes. Mm. So there's the, it covers current events, but also lighthearted news stories, I guess. Yeah. And Nathan had been busy. At the time, he had been driving a bus across Australia as a man walked across Australia with an empty wheelchair. In the name of world peace. That's another story. You'll have to get Nate on. I might to have to. That I one think so. It's nuts. <laughs> Nate's done some interesting oh, yeah, things. He's, he's, t he's, he's way worse than me. He's <laughs> gone to crazier places than me. And so he was on this news show. Nate had just come back from Byron Bay where the trip had finished. And there was a news program like The Project. And they had Paul in the studio for an interview. And that had, was because they'd done a small sort of two-minute bite-sized, you know, fun segment at the end of the news, received a lot of good feedback. Mm -hmm. So they invited him into the studio for an interview and they called us in Australia in the middle of the night okay, to speak. And we talked to him and it was really cool and it was very weird, but he's he is the happy guy. All this stuff's on YouTube. Yep. At the end of the interview, it was about 10 minutes and we spoke for the last few minutes. We'd never spoken before, just corresponded in emails. Okay. And we were speaking directly and the presenter had said, well, what, what's next? What's the next step? And I swear I had not planned this, but I had one of those like ding light bulb moments. Yeah. And I kind of said, well, we'd love to give the photo back, but we don't have any money <laughs> to go to Canada. <laughs> not in that voice, but I said, well, we don't have any money. It'd be really cool to see him, but, you know, hopefully one day we can go. Yep. And then I kind of cheekily said, well, if there's anyone out there that could help us out, uh huh, you know, smile. Yeah, wink, wink. Yeah. Yep. After that, maybe a few months had passed, but Banff Lake Louise Tourism, the marketing department for tourism for that area, which has millions of visitors per year, emailed me and said, yeah, you want to come out? Sure. And they said, just book a flight. We'll reimburse you. Wow. Yeah. I actually didn't know that you didn't pay for that flight. Oh, no, we didn't pay. And I was I was very creative and found a flight with Air Fiji where we had a stopover in Fiji for six or seven days. Oh, that sounds um, terrible. It was horrible. And then we landed and we had all of our... Did they pay for that too? 
Well, no, we paid for the backpackers hostel and stuff, but yeah. it was a free stopover. So we're like, yeah. well, let's go to Fuju. Okay. Why not? Great. When we arrived, they paid for all of our accommodation, food and beverage. And we had like a film crew following us around for a few days and we were doing various activities in the town. Mm-hmm. It was great. Sounds oh, fabulous. <laughs> we went to the Calgary Stampede. What else? We did so many crazy things. And then we had like a press conference in the hotel that we worked at. Where the photo was originally found. Where the photo was originally found. Okay. And we met Happy Guy and we gave him back the photo, which was just, again, really cool. Yeah. And we hung out with Happy Guy quite a bit. Was it weird to call him by his name Paul instead of Happy Guy? No. Nah. No? <laughs> We'd call him Happy. He'd call himself. He'd like refer to him as Happy Guy himself. Okay. Like Nate, my brother, he made a docu- little documentary about it. It's pretty funny on YouTube and there's one scene at the end where... Happy guy drove us to his sort of mountain holiday home mm-hmm. and he's sitting there smiling saying, happy guy driving. That's really funny. Um, <laughs> we got real drunk with happy guy. I think it's safe enough to say now. We went to that place in, in a, his apartment in a place called Fernie or his condo. Fernie's okay. another mountainous, beautiful place. But we got real drunk and we stayed up till like four in the morning playing guitar, singing songs. Having a great Playing time pool. with yeah. this guy that you just found his photo oh, in a awesome. bin. And the other funny thing. Oh, I love this story. The day before we met Happy Guy, they asked us to come to a place called the Banff, Banff Springs Hotel. It it looks like a, a castle. It looks like oh, a wow. fairy. It was based upon. I love castles. Uh, I think it may have been based upon called Nerschwenstein or something. A German, like the, the Disney castle. Okay. It looks like that. It's a five-star fancy hotel. And we went there. And they said, why do they want us here? And then the person who was in charge of the event said, okay, is half an hour enough or do you need an hour? And me and Nate said, what? Um, Half an hour should be fine. And apparently we were meant to present to all of the heads of marketing in the Banff, Lake Louise area and some people from Calgary and Edmonton about social media marketing. I had no idea. (laughs) Well, we just went up and winged it and we got like a standing ovation at the end. There was like 200 oh, people there. Wow. Yeah, it was great. Some guy offered me a job writing ads. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you didn't take it. I did. And then I saw who their clients were and it was like petrol, petroleum companies and, you know, major fast food okay. outlets. So, and I just so thought, nah, against, that's not me. Against your choice. Yeah. Yeah. But we're still friends with Happy Guy even really? now. Yeah. His daughter, Andy, came and stayed with mum and dad a couple of years ago. Yeah. I love this story so much. Yeah, I haven't seen him since 2008. I know if I went tomorrow to Calgary, we'd stay with him or his children have come to visit us and there's been, you know, no problem. And so did you ask him why he threw out the photo? Yeah, he, and I, as I said before, was, it's Was it same, him that threw out the photo or was it like yeah, because a family member or somebody else he was that there was there like, for, oh, who's he, this guy? He was a teacher and he was like the cool teacher, you know, at the end of the lesson he'd say, okay, come on, guys, let's play a song. And he'd get out his guitar and play some Cat Stevens or something. He wasn't that happy being a teacher, which I understand. I've been a high school teacher before. It's, it can be work. tough. He was actually looking for a change and he wasn't that happy at the time. And it was a conference of teachers. And his friend, I believe his name was Ron Leishman, if I'm going from the top of my head, uh, tapped him on the shoulder and went, hey, Paul. And he turned around and he snapped a photo in his face sort of as a prank. But again, I would throw out a photo, if you can imagine just a small four by six photo yeah. that's entirely your face smiling, <laughs> I would be 
Like, um, no, no thanks. I don't really throw out much. Even when I take photos now on my phone, I rarely ever delete any photos. I don't know why. I find it really hard to do it. I'm e- I can do it of other people. Like, but, but yourself. Well, of, of people that are like my family. I find it really hard to do it. But of strange, like not that I take photos of strangers. That sounds really odd. <laughs> like I'm a stalker and I stand in the window and take photos I of can't people. throw out photos <laughs> I take of strangers. <laughs> no. I mean, just photos of my family, like all the nephews and nieces. I find it really hard to delete any of those photos, even the ones that are just like super close to their face. I love those ones. Well, maybe on the Insta, people can comment or vote whether you would throw away this photo or not if it were your face. Yeah. I would for sure. Would you? He said it was one and there was a few photos of him. That wasn't the only one. It it is literally very close. But it's a great photo. So well, much that someone like your brother took happiness in seeing it that he took it and kept it and put it on his fridge. We always say like happy guy was leaving his hotel room and threw out the photo and Nathan walked past and they bumped into each other and went, oh, sorry, because they're Canadian. Maybe they passed each other in the hallway. Maybe. I, it's such a cool story. But as we said, now facial recognition wouldn't happen. Mm. They just go, oh, it's Paul Daggett. And you go, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. No so, fun. But, you know, now there's like gifts and stuff. So I guess that was yeah. the first way, the first thing of gifts really without it being what it is now. Yeah. People taking it and putting faces on other things. It's true. And it was much harder back then to Photoshop. Now you can kind of use your finger on your phone and cut and paste very easily. But then it was quite hard and people spend a lot of time and care Photoshopping Paul Daggett's face onto Daniel Craig's body. You know, it was <laughs> it I was very it well so done. Funny that people actually do that. Yeah, but it was great. I mean, to just to have something out of nothing, and it's a good example of you know, look at things differently, or just look at things from a different angle in life, and you never know what may happen. Yeah, I suppose. I think, yeah, I think that's a really good way of saying it. And the other thing is, a lot of people said to us, "Well, why didn't you make a website and put ads on it or Aww. anything like that?" And we just said, "We well, a it could get messy." Legally, I don't know what happens if you're profiting from someone else's image. Yeah. But B, we never really wanted to make money from it. We just thought it was funny mm. and cool and made people happy. Yeah, and I think sometimes people are so driven by money that it takes away the love and passion of things and that's not how I work either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people saying, oh, sell it. you should have sold T-shirts of him. Like, nah. No. And then we kept traveling. We went all over Canada. and You and your brother or did you go by yourself? No, me and him, we sort of split up sometimes and met up, but we went all over Canada and the States and then went to Central America. And how long were you traveling together for? Um, Six months. And did you have any massive fights? Uh, Not massive, but, you know. Nigglies? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. I, I find that men traveling together, especially brothers, tends to work really well. Oh, yeah. We've been on loads of trips together mm. all over the world. No problem. Yeah, yeah. we have a great time. Where I hear sisters don't travel so well together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nah, we argue over stuff, but nothing bad. Often Nate is like, he likes to travel like it's the amazing race. So quickly? Yeah. You know, the amazing race, the yeah. show where you got to run. And, and I like to be at the airport very early or at the bus station and have time. Whereas he has to rush. He likes, he enjoys the adventure of that, oh, that side of I things. I do but, not at all. But, I am not a rusher for anything. Nah. 
I always leave so much time yeah. to do anything just because I don't like being rushed. I like being chilled. So I can just walk slowly. I don't yeah. have to be like, oh, am I going to get there? Am I going to miss my flight? Ah, what happens if I miss my flight? I have dreams, like anxiety dreams of being late to the airport. Yeah. That's one of my... Is it? I've never missed a flight like Mark Haven't Stewart. You? But I... Um, <laughs> no, never. Unless maybe a connection or something that was out of my hands. Yeah. But, um, never. Nah. With the amount of flights you've taken, yeah, you've nah. never missed a I've flight. for what, 20-something years. No, never. Not once. That's quite amazing. I've only ever missed one and that was coming back from Vegas to LA that I was with someone that worked from Nike and he had a massive discount at one of the outlet stores. And so I went oh. nuts at Nike that I, oh. yeah, I couldn't help oh. it. So then we ended up rushing and then the GPS at the time, they weren't as good as what they are now, ended up taking us the wrong way to the airport. And I got there just as they had said, gates closed. Uh, like the movie, yeah. Oh, like, it was literally like that. And I was like, but the plane's still here. Take my bag. I can run. I'm fast. Trust me. And they're like, no, sorry. Like, yeah, it's not a nice feeling. No. I've no. missed a few buses and trains and things. Often that's in a poorer country where getting to the station is, you know, good luck. Yeah, a bit out of your control. Yeah, traffic yeah. and things. But that trip, where do we go? We went to Guatemala. We lived in Guatemala for a month or two. Oh, I we, love Guatemala. Yeah, it was crazy. We went trekking. We're in the jungle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Tikal, which is a, a mm-hmm. Mayan city, but it's very touristy. It's kind of like Angkor Wat, I guess, of Guatemala. And we were talking to a guy and he said, oh, if you want to see some other places... I can help you. Oh, that and sounds we, scary Oh, it was to dodgy me. as hell. Like we organized a tour. We had to pay off gangster guys to give us like safe pa- passage into the jungle. <gasps> and we, me and Nate and a couple of, we recruited a couple of other people to get the price down. There was six of us or seven of us. All guys? Any females? All guys. Yeah. Yeah. Females have done it. It's not, it's totally, it's totally, it sounds crazy, but it it's. Sounds really it's, dodgy. It sounds le- like a legit, something I probably wouldn't do. It's legit, but it's run by the. Local gangsters. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it yeah, any other okay. way. Yeah, so we, we trekked for like six days in mud. Did you um, see any jaguars? I heard one. Oh, I've yeah. heard them too. They sound amazing, but I've never seen one. We went to like four different cities and we stood on top of the world's highest pyramid because you have to go up sort of three or four platforms and then I think it was about 70 metres high. It's above the jungle, right? Yeah. yeah I think like I've, in the Apocalypto. I think I've been there. I don't know. Oh. Uh, was it called El Mirador? I can't remember. This one, you could only walk there. There were no roads. Okay, probably but didn't go there. Maybe they've, the, it's a bit corrupt and maybe the government cut down the rainforest and put a train in or something. There was talk of that. Okay. But this, the beauty of this was you had to walk there and it took days and days oh, no, of we didn't dangerous do yeah, okay. trekking. Hard. I went to the, what's the most common one that is a, you go up to the top and you're above the jungle? Um, I can't remember what it's called. Is t- that Tikal? T- that's Tikal, yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So this one's even higher and it was crazy. It was really cool. But uh, at one stage, the I like to walk at the back because the other people were talking, but it was a very quiet and peaceful place. You like to walk at the back. Is that because if something's going to get attacked, they're going to get attacked from the front? No, they take it the back. They yeah. usually take the ones at the back. That's the what I was thinking. Ones. So why would no, you go at the back? Nothing's going to attack us, I don't think. There was a guy behind one of the guy, one of the guides was there behind me, but oh. he would just disappear okay. sometimes and be waiting for us in the front oh. an hour later. But it's like, it's very thin. It's maybe half a meter to a meter wide path, and just pure jungle, virgin yeah, jungle, beautiful monkeys above us and stuff. Yeah, 
And one stage I was walking along and I felt his hand go on my shoulder and I thought, what's happening? And he just stared at me and he said, Jaguar, Jaguar, Tigre, Tigre, Tiger. And I was like, okay. And I thought he meant stay still and don't move. But then he grabbed my shirt and pulled me into the jungle <gasps> and pulled out his giant Indiana Jones knife Ooh! or Crocodile Dundee sort of thing. Oh my gosh. And he wanted to hunt it because <gasps> it's like if you fight a jaguar <laughs> and you kill it, you're like a, like a legend. Oh no. It's like Booney, I guess, or something, you know, drinking 24 beers on the flight to London. That's their version. You take on a jaguar. Is that one of our cricketers? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Cricket <laughs> reference. And so we were following it and then I was terrified, but I was already in the jungle now and the group was gone. I had to just follow him and we were walking along and at one stage... Could you see it? No, because the jungle was so thick. But at one stage, maybe four, 10 meters ahead of me, all of the thick jungle, all the trees started shaking very violently and loudly. If you think of maybe Jurassic Park, uh-huh. that kind of deal. And it's the only time in my life my entire body just locked with pure fear. Really? I couldn't move. Okay. And it came towards us for a couple of seconds. So you couldn't see it. You could just see, just you could see the, the bush. And feel this energy and see all the bushes shaking. And then it ran off in the other direction. <gasps> and then I felt this like release of like, oh, God. Oh, my God. And he was, he was angry. He, he was, was like, angry. He was like, damn it. Like that was his one chance to, you know. To kill it. And I was what? like. Thank my lucky stars. Yeah. Yeah, it was full on. And what would have happened if the jaguar had come running? Like, was I going to... It's an endangered species. Yeah. It was a re- real weird situation. It is, because you <laughs> wouldn't want him to kill it. No. Nah. <laughs> but I was scared. Yeah. I was terrified. Oh, and because then if he if the jaguar kills him, you're next. Or if it kills him, you're stuck because everyone else is gone. That's going to kill me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was nuts. The, the tour... The guy at the front, he was this young-ish sort of 20-year-old kid, super energetic, and he'd just jump into the jungle and like come out holding a giant snake <laughs> or um, there's a little hole in the ground and he, he would put a stick in the hole and pull out a tarantula as big as your hand or he was full of beans. He was just crazy. But the other guy at the back never said anything. Until that moment yeah. when he put his hand on your shoulder. Yeah. And then we ran out of water oh and food. Gosh. Because they misjudged, or at one of the water drop-offs, the water was had gone rancid. Okay. And so we spent like maybe more than half a day without water or food in the middle of a very tropical. Hot. It was fine. He got a donkey and just rode back and then came back again. Where did he get the donkey from? The donkeys were used to carry supplies. Oh, so you had them with we you? We did have them with like, us, luckily. A random donkey? <laughs> but it's still a pretty strange feeling. You can survive for a while without water and we could have, you know... Found water probably it might not have been the best water, but we would have been okay. Or I'm sure they used tricks. We could have drank our own pee. I don't know, but to survive, like it's amazing that is that a thing, really? Well, yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. drink your own pee. Yeah, really? Yeah, is that just not like a fake thing? No, it's real. It's, it's real. Yeah, it's so not recommended, but it's real. So if you're stuck somewhere and you've got no water, you can drink your own pee. But then surely once you're so it dehydrated, it gets worse and worse. And, yeah. yeah filters it out more and more yeah or you use the water in there but you could you can for a while and you can go quite a while without food at least but water not so much but we would have been fine because so were it you wasn't thinking that, about this were you well that's the thing you're in the middle of a jungle one of your guides is gone and you're with this other guy and that's it and we had no food or water left in a tour that's sort of you know not an official we're not going to leave a bad review on google 
<laughs> and um, you get thirsty real quick just thinking about it. It's oh pretty cool. Gosh. And then what else? We're at the top Did of... Did you say it's pretty cool? Yeah. Like now it is, probably not at the time. Yeah, I don't know. I felt confident that they it were going to come. Okay. Yeah. And even if he didn't, we would have been able to get water. I trusted the guide enough to know that. And it was rain. Like the water probably, I don't know, we would have been able to find some. I think, but uh, anyway, I love that yeah. you didn't go worst case scenario in my head. I would nah. have gone worst case scenario. I'm dying. I've paid someone that I shouldn't have paid to go out in the middle of the jungle. No one knows we're here. No one knows they're going to come and get us. Oh, like, that's what I would have been it's thinking. It's Guatemala. It's Guatemala. And we paid a proper, like he looked like a guy in the movies, you know, with a white shirt and a button up blue sort of flanny tattoos, gold teeth, the lot. But that's adventure. And I guess you got to trust them completely. And they, even though it was a long way, they it, to them it was their backyard. Yeah. And the reason you pay the gangsters off is because they don't want people just walk. You could, the trails are so clear, you could do it on your own with a map. Okay. But then anyone would just go trekking. So. And then there'd be a lot I of people I met some people lost. who said, oh, we can, not even getting lost, just figuring it out. And some adventurous people said that they would do it on their own and mysteriously enough, they got robbed within a couple of hours of the trek. Oh. Because we saw illegal people like poaching plants illegally and cutting down the wrong trees and stuff. Oh, really? It's pretty crazy. Sad. But That's what that is. We went inside. Of, well, you've got to survive. These people are poor. Mm. You know, they don't really know the difference. They're like, oh, this is a fancy orchid. I can sell it so my family can eat. Like we went in caves, tiny tunnels crawling on our hands and knees under a pyramid or a, and uh or we had yeah. like we went in this room there were like 10,000 bats flying in our face uh we saw a mural we went to a place we weren't meant to go he said come with me I'll show you something really cool he showed us a giant mural maybe 20 meters across and maybe five meters high all chiseled in stone oh we went to the top of the highest pyramid and when we were there so if you've seen that Mel Gibson movie Apocalypto, which is not accurate whatsoever. It's just, I think the fashion might be similar, but the rest is just a glorified action movie. Mm -hmm. But there's the bit where they chop off their heads and they bounce down the stairs. <laughs> we went to the top of the pyramid where that happens. And as we were there, just out of nowhere, an eagle from a speck on the horizon flew all the way up to us and it hovered in front of us and it circled us once or twice and then just flew off again, and we're like, we are a couple of hundred meters high above the canopy. That was trippy. Mm. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I don't know. They're a bit scary, aren't they? Well, it was face to face too, in the, again, in the middle of nowhere. You could hear monkeys, howler monkeys talking to each other beneath us. It was cool. Yeah. That was a good adventure. Sounds like a crazy adventure that I don't know if I'd recommend people did, but it yeah. sounds great. Thanks, happy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that so, trip, so yeah. from, from Guatemala, where did you go next? Belize. Yeah. Did you like Belize? Yeah. Did you go out to Kikoko? Kikoko. Kikoko. A little bit. We crossed from a place called Livingston in Guatemala on a boat. And apparently once we got to Belize, they're like, oh, you made it good. And we, we said, what do you mean? And they someone had shot up the boat <gasps> a week earlier, the same boat we were on because oh. of uh, drug stuff. Oh yeah, it was gosh, really... Devin. We were there in a pretty... Delicate time. I didn't realize. There were some other stories from Guatemala of things. So we got there. The reason we were there, we met this American guy and his wonderful wife or partner. I can't remember. He made films. And we met them in Antigua, in Guatemala. And they said, if you ever come to Belize, 
here's our address. Come and visit us. But give us at least a month's notice because where we live, there's no internet, no anything. Okay. And we said, that sounds pretty sweet. In the end, we just had to follow his direction and arrange to meet at a, in a marketplace at a certain time on a certain date. And so we were on this blind quest. We crossed the river that had got shot up. We crossed the border, the most relaxed border I've ever seen in my life. It was just a lady like breastfeeding her baby, <laughs> stamping our passports. Um, and we had to find a lady in a marketplace who was a local person, a local woman. And we found her and we had to say, hi, we're here to see Robert. She took us to a bus station and we caught a bus with her really far to a more remote place. And then we had to get on a boat oh and travel on this boat for an hour and a half because there are no roads. And they were living in the middle of the jungle. And we were there for maybe 10 days or two weeks. It was so cool. Exploring uh, old Mayan little smaller townships and pyramids and Did you ever caves. feel unsafe? That was a bit dodgy there, not because of the people we stayed with, but some of the locals there was a lot of unrest. But nah, their neighbours were cool. That that their neighbours were the lady was the lady in the marketplace, and they farmed cacao to make chocolate. Okay, so I mean, you got to see all of that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, see the whole process. Really cool. Unsafe? No. Oh, we went to the local bar. We, that was a pretty sketchy thing. That was a bit unsafe. Because when I was in Belize, we went to, I think, well, Belize City. Is that where you get the ferry over to Kikolka? Yeah. And so from there, I was starving and I wanted to get something to eat. And our guide that was with us was freaking out about us going anywhere. He's like, do not leave here. And it was literally next door. There was a restaurant. I was like, we're just going to go to that restaurant. He's like, please don't. I'm like, I have to. I'm so hungry. We're not going to eat now for hours. So a few of us went next door. It was fine, but he was tripping the whole time. Yeah, it's pretty – it's not the safest. Even though it's a tiny city, I don't even think – I think Belize City itself is on one of the highest, like most dangerous in the world, isn't it? It'd be up there, and yeah. it's so it's quite dangerous, even though the population is maybe the size of Bendigo or something. It's not big, oh. but it's dangerous. It's yeah. concentrated, unfortunately. Yeah, it's sad. It's a long it's such a beautiful story place. behind that. But we were there, yeah, and we we're in the jungle. That was awesome. Then we went to Mexico, and we mucked around in Mexico a fair bit in the Love jungle. Mexico. That was good. And then we went to Cuba for the fiftieth anniversary of the revolution. Well, that would have been a little bit harder to do back then, wouldn't it? Not hardest traveling I've done, but some of the most infuriating because everything, it was a communist country, still is. You couldn't even book a seat on a bus and they would say, just come at 10 p.m. and see if there's space on the bus. And where was this? Cuba. (laughs) All of it. All of it. Really? And I sometimes was in a quite small remote area and because there's no, maybe there was a, hole in the middle of the freeway highway or a cow was there's no lights so a cow got hit by a bus and then the bus broke down and sometimes i was waiting for four or five hours in a bus station and the bus would turn up and half of the bus was empty and the driver says uh there's no space oh come back tomorrow (gasps) and you're like come on there's room you can try and bribe them depends if they're in a bad mood or not but everyone gets paid the same there's no benefit for them to allowing people on. So they just said, it's full. Come but tomorrow. what do they get out of saying no to you though? Maybe they don't like tourists with money or maybe. Yeah, okay. I, maybe, felt, I felt like that a little bit in Jamaica. Maybe, I felt like that yeah, too. Maybe they just want to leave it for local people in case there's, I don't know. 
Yeah, okay. But it was frustrating. And then trying to find places to stay was hard. And I traveled mainly on my own there. And it was a month. Uh, it was pretty lonely by the end. That was hard. Mm. But it was great. Saw some amazing things. What did you do to combat your loneliness? Oh, I, I, my, my Spanish was all right back then. It wasn't brilliant. Just try and find people to hang out with. Play basketball a few times. Mm-hmm. That was good. That always drew a crowd. Actually, there was one time I played, I was just trying to play a team game, three on three, I think it was, maybe five on five. But there was one guy who was talking trash. His team, so we won the first one and then he got. He came in and said, okay, I got next, I'm playing. And he was guarding me. And I wasn't really in the mood to get into this full-on competition. And my team, some of the people weren't very good. And they were winning, I think it was first to 11 and the score was 10-3. And he said a few things in Spanish and I was like, I speak Spanish, man. <laughs> and and um, I got angry and instead of just passing, I just took the ball every time and then I think we won. I think I scored eight times in a row. I was blocking his shots and it was great. <laughs> and, uh, it just felt good to, you know, stick it to one of the, someone who's a bit cocky. Yeah. That was, that was nice. And then did you make some friends out of that? Because they were like, ooh, you got him. Yeah, look, that, it was, this was quite a small town. So everyone there was really athletic, but not very well coached. Okay. Whereas when I was, I would have been 30. Yeah. Played my whole life, but I probably wasn't as athletic as the rest. At the bar that night, people were coming up to me going, oh, you're the basketball guy. Cool. Hey, that was, that was awesome. I only thought there were maybe 50 people there, but at least 50 came up to me that night. And then we organized like a tournament the next day. It, it was a big thing, but yeah. it was pouring with rain. So it got canceled and then oh, bummer. I had to go the next day, but... Sports is a good one. A good thing to take is a hacky sack. A hacky sack? With a little, you know, the little sack. Yeah. So a hacky sack. Everyone plays football or soccer. And it's just a great way because kids will come up or teenagers. And it's just basically the same as kicking a soccer ball around, but it's a little sack that fits in your backpack. Yeah. yeah. And that in 20 whatever years, that has made more friends. I've been invited out for drinks or to dinner or to meet people's families just because we made friends with something in common. Oh, so, that's amazing. Yeah. So you just like start kicking it around by yeah. yourself? Yeah. And then people will go, can I join in? Yeah, bus stations. One time in Turkey, my bus was delayed a lot. It was in Ankara and me and my mate that I was traveling with, we just said, okay, we'll just play hacky sack. And before we knew it, there was maybe 10 men and they were all the people at the bus station who were meant to be spruiking the tickets. <laughs> All these dudes with mustaches and ties smoking, playing uh, hacky sack with us. That was great. Yeah, it's just something in common. So even if you don't speak the same language, you can always communicate through common something in common. Mm. And that's some so simple but fun. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you get them from? I don't know. Ah, yeah, any market. Market. Yeah. I They're don't really even know easy. if I've seen them. They're around. Oh, you know what? I think I have too. <laughs> You'll see I them. think I bought them in Guatemala. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Once you see them, you'll... But I use them as, <laughs> they're like, as my souvenirs. I wouldn't actually kick them around because they're pretty cool. Yeah. That's a really good tip. And that's universal. That doesn't work just for men. That works for women too. Oh, yeah. Anyone. Yeah. I lived in Spain for three, almost three years, two and a half years. And I was in a very small, poor village. I was working in the high school there as a teacher. And a lot of parents were asking if I could teach their kids English, but they couldn't afford to pay me. It was that poor. It's one of the oh. most, the highest levels of unemployment and the lowest socioeconomic statuses in Spain. But it's beautiful. It's like a fairy tale. But everyone just, they're farmers. 
Mm-hmm. So I just taught English and swapped it for food or wine or olives oh, or nice whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Mm. Again, that's how you learn about cultures and opens up doors. Have you had any incidents where you've been robbed or you've been in a situation where you've thought, oh, this could be it, apart from the Jaguar situation? Not Nothing violent. So I'm lucky. I mean, not that it matters, but someone's got a gun or something, but I'm like six foot five. I think that does help Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes. I think so too. And a male. It's, yeah. Well, that's not fair, of course. Oh, but, it's um, just the way the world it's works. A, yeah, it's a physical. As, as a woman, I understand that. Like yeah. I hear your stories where you're going and I think there's no way yeah. that I, I, I would have been in those situations for yeah. two seconds and I would have been in trouble. Yeah. So, yeah, it does make a difference. I got pickpocketed in Argentina, but it was really bad because I was at a bus station and it was the one second because I'm really careful about it. And it was. How, the, what do you mean you're careful about it? What do you do that makes I, you careful? My hands are in my pockets or my wallet is not in my pocket there was the one second i had taken my wallet out because i was about to go on like a 20-hour bus journey and in argentina it's nuts like the buses pull in and they're like vamos vamos se fue el auto vamos vamos it's like come on the bus is going go 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 it pulls in for like a minute max and everyone fights to get on and then it's gone again and so i was handing my backpack to the guy who puts them in the bus and it, they, the, there must have been a 30-second window Someone picked my pocket. Oh. Yeah. And did you feel it? The only thing I felt was the lightness of the wallet being missing, not the actual action. And not the hand in the pocket. They're so good at what they do. It was amazing. It was a horrible feeling, but I had to choose between whether to stay or get on the bus. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to get on the bus because the next bus was the next day. And And you're not going to see that wallet again. And from experience... I split everything up. So I had credit cards and some cash. And you should always have three or four ways of paying for things. Maybe a credit card, a debit card and a travel money card. Mm -hmm. And then you should always hide a little bit of cash in your backpack, like 50 US or something, just in case. Yeah, so I wasn't too worried. But uh, when I got to Buenos Aires, I filed the police report. My travel insurance, I think there was an excess of $100. That was fine. I got it all back. It was no problem. It was just the um, the awkward feeling of it's not a nice feeling. No, it's a terrible feeling. Oh, there was a worse one. In Mexico, someone stole my identity and my the bank cancelled my credit card. And stupid me, I only had a month left and I thought, ah, oh, I'll just use my credit card till I get home and then I can get a new debit card. My debit card had expired, so I didn't have alternate ways. Uh-huh. And like the day after, someone stole my identity online and tried to buy heaps of stuff and the bank cancelled the card. Oh, that cancelled that one too, yeah. It was yeah. very obvious that, that it had been stolen. Uh-huh. And so I had to bank transfer a big thick stack of cash, which is not much, like a few hundred bucks looks like you're a millionaire in Mexico. Yeah. And I had to travel around just with a wad of cash for about three weeks. Oh. So that that was bad. I learnt my lesson from that one. Yeah. That was not a nice feeling. I was stuck more than a day without any money. Do you travel now like with a mobile phone? Yeah. And just you keep it for emergencies or you use it? I use it, yeah. See, I, I take my one from home, but I don't use it as a phone. Like I'll only use Wi-Fi. I don't take the data. Oh, yeah, I only use the Wi-Fi unless I'm – often I'm travelling for a longer period than a small. But even if, if you go to New Zealand for a month, you just buy a local SIM. Like it's so easy to get a card with internet on it now for better or worse. Mm-hmm. 
Do you find it's expensive though? Because every nah. time I go and look wherever I am, it's always so expensive. I guess it depends which country you're in. It hasn't been a problem, no. Anything is replaceable that yeah, I take. It's just stuff. It's just stuff. It's just my phone that has photos. That's the main thing. Back them up. Yeah, that's the main thing. Back up the photos. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I don't even care about photos. Don't you? Nah. My job now, they take so many photos of me. You'd be the same with your current job. Like, I don't know. I'm tired of photos a little bit. Yeah, and I barely take photos. But when I'm traveling, I like to take things of beautiful True. things. And and then sometimes I'll do is blow them up and put them up on my wall. Yeah. Because I don't like to pay for someone else's. Yeah, it's nice to have a reminder. Yeah, like I like that. My best photos, are me and my mates had a Polaroid camera. Uh-huh. And we just said we'd take one photograph a day and yeah. that's it. So yeah, we had to cool. pick, pick the right photo. That's a good way to do it. They're treasured. Yeah, they would be special. That's a good way to do it. We are approaching our destination. Ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your seatbelts for the final five. Your favourite city or town? In the whole world. Yeah. Is probably Cordoba in Spain. Oh. It's beautiful. Really? Yes. I've been there. I don't remember it being like as top of my list, so that's interesting. Is it in terms of beauty or just in whatever, general? Whatever it is that attracts you to that place. Okay. That was off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, that must be it. Yeah. There you go. Weirdest food you've ever eaten? Widgety grub in the desert. I used to live in the outback and I was a tour guide. I ate widgety grubs. They're gross. It's a texture. <laughs> No good. Ugh. Beaches or mountains? Mountain beaches. Mountain beaches. No, uh, maybe <laughs> mm, beaches. A lot of people say a place that has a beach and then a mountain not far away, but that's a bit cheaty, cheaty. I think. See, I'm a beach person more than a mountain well, person. Well, we say that in in Thailand they have there's a place called Tonsai, and it is it's next to Rai Lai, If you know Rai Lai or Golanta, Kolanta. In the Australian, and it has cliff faces that are mountains on the beach. Apparently, it's world famous for cliff uh, climbing. for climbing, rock climbing, yeah, oh, wow. cliff jumping. But I think if I had to answer, I'd say beaches. Yeah, in a close second. But mountain lakes are incredible. If you hike for four hours and there's a lake on top of a mountain, I love it. Beautiful. A tourist site that you recommend is a must see. The Gibb River Road in the Kimberley is incredible. Which the is in Australia? Northwest Australia. You may have heard of the Bungle Bungles. No, the I Bungle haven't. Bungles is... Or I haven't been per, to WA. Well, WA is one third of the size of Australia. So that it's, it's pretty big. It's in the northwest. It is the most remote part of Australia. And the Gibb River Road, you need a four-wheel drive or a team of four-wheel drive drivers. Yeah. Maybe a convoy of three or four is the best or at least two. Is that because if you get bogged, you need someone to help pull so you out? It's so, oh, it's so remote, you may not see someone for a long time, especially yeah. when you're deep in the Gibb River Road. But there are swimming holes and secrets all over there. And then the Bungle Bungles, which is called Purnululu National Park, Bungle Bungles is the most magical place. It's so remote and so breathtaking. So is it not easy to get to? <sighs> no, it's really, really, really hard. Broom is kind of close, but kind of not. Uh, relatively speaking, it's close, but just the Gibb River Road, you can drive that road for 10 days. Wow. It's remote as hell. And that's that tour guiding job I had took me there as well. Everyone who comes to Australia, well, not everyone, but most people, you know, they see the East Coast. Mm -hmm. 
maybe Tassie, maybe Uluru, like this is going downwards, but no Perth, perhaps, Roddy. The Kimberley and the Gibb River Road is incredible. So they can hire a tour guide and go out there? Is that what you, you were can, doing? You can, yeah. yeah. You can go from Broome to Darwin and you'll go through there. And that's probably a good way of doing it. It's not cheap, but it's worth it mm. because you get an expert guide, you get your food, you sleep in a swag next to a river under the stars. Best time of year to go? Best time of year is probably just after winter here so that because summer becomes a wet season up there. Okay. So maybe let's say September. Mm-hmm. Can you say thank you in another language? I can. I can say it in a few languages, but I will go with Icelandic tuck. Tuck. <laughs> tuck. That's easy to say thank you. It's like yeah. our version of tar. Yeah. Like yeah. tar is the Aussie way of being lazy and oh, saying tar. thank you. Tar, ta, mate. Tar. Tar. <laughs> tuck. Yeah. Ah, beautiful. Yeah. That's from Iceland. Yeah, and I think it's similar in other Scandinavian countries. It's definitely Icelandic. I think they're kind of similar in some of the other places too. Okay. Maybe Finland. I don't know. Yeah. Have you done the Northern Lights? No. You haven't done the Northern Lights? It's funny. I was living in Canada, like where they are, but I don't remember recall seeing them. I was in Iceland in winter, but I didn't, didn't see them then, unfortunately. Yeah. I want to see the uh, Southern Lights, Aurora Australis. Mm. That's the one you want to see. Yeah, that looks amazing too. Well, thank you so much for sharing uh, your story of Happy Guy with us. And I think I need to have you back on for another show and talk about some more of your travels because we've only just touched the tip of your travel stories. Yes. Yeah, that would be fine. No problem. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Deb. No worries. Thanks, Shel. Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.